Well, if God is around, I reckon we would probably like him to be a bit more obvious about uh, being here, wouldn't we? He should make his presence known to us, especially when things are going badly for us. We would probably like God to just step in and sort things out. The presence of God, we assume, would be a good thing. But as we've been seeing for the Philistines last week, the presence of God was anything but good. And as God's presence returns to Israel in today's passage, it's not that great for them either. In in 1 Samuel 6, we learn that the ark of God had been punted around the Philistine cities for a little over six months, and it had caused tumours and rat plagues wherever it went. And the Philistine elders, they decide that they have had enough. And so they prepare what they call a guilt offering. They make some golden tumours and some golden rats, and they put them on a cart with the ark of God, and they hitch it up to a couple of cows. The plan is they're going to send the ark back to Israel with the golden items as a way of saying sorry to God and hopefully removing the real tumours and the real rats from the Philistine cities in the process. However, the Philistines, you know, they're still suspicious. They don't know whether this really was the hand of God. Were these terrible events just a coincidence? I mean, after all, you might remember, they did capture the Ark of God in a fairly unremarkable way. That was an easy win for them. And the Ark itself, it isn't anything remarkable, it's just a box. So how can they be sure that God has really been present among them? And so the experiment that they come up with involves the cows that they are using. And so I thought, who better to ask about cows than our own agriculture extraordinaire, Mr Dawson? Well, I've come down to the ag plot today with Mr Dawson uh, because in 1 Samuel 6, we see cattle. And so I thought, what better place to come than to talk to Mr Dawson about cattle? Uh, Mr Dawson, there's a couple of things we need to talk about. In 1 Samuel 6, the Philistines have been uh, inflicted with terrible tumours and they are are of the opinion that what has happened has been the hand of God. But they're not sure. So they decided to send a guilt offering back to Israel, and they want to set up a test to test whether this was a, a supernatural event. And so the test they do, do you, requires them using some cows. First thing they do is they take two cows who have never been yoked before, never carried a cart or anything like that, uh, and they're going to see if they will walk in a straight line happily with those two, uh, with that cart on their behind. Uh, in your experience, when you put a cart on an animal for the first time, what happens? Uh, that animal, it's very unnatural. The animal will... Uh try and break free of the cart, they'll probably start fighting each other. It's, uh, it's, it takes a long time to get an animal to be on this docile, so that's, that, that wouldn't happen. And uh, the two cows that they use uh, are feeding cows, so they have calves that they're feeding. Um, what is the likelihood that a cow will just walk away from the calf that it is currently feeding? Uh, that wouldn't happen either. Gareth, that uh, the, cow, the cow's natural instinct is to stay with its calf, and uh, even when you think the calf is old enough to be weaned from its mother, she won't wean it unless you take it away. So that's, again, very unnatural behaviour. And uh, we're told that as the two cows do walk in a straight line, the Hebrew says a highway, which means a straight line, they walk straight away from uh, their calves with the cart on their back, which they'd never worn before, and as they're going along, they are lowing. Now, can you maybe firstly come a little bit closer and do a lowing sound for us. I'm good at this. (laughs) 
can't see that, but every chicken in the field just ran away at that point. Uh, tell me, Mr. Dawson, what is lowing? Why do cattle do it? Um, cattle lowers a distress, a sign of distress. So if we were to wean this calf off this mum, um, all of the people who live in Baruma and Estella would email the school and put it on the Estella Facebook page that something's really bad and uh, happening at track and that I've never heard them sound this bad. And then I would have to post that we're weaning a calf and it's quite normal behaviour. Yeah, okay. So it's a sound of distress. So this, in this scenario, 1 Samuel 6, where the Philistines put uh, the cart on these two feeding cows who walk in a straight line straight away from their uh, calves and they low the entire way. Would you say that is a, a natural occurrence or an unnatural occurrence? A very unnatural occurrence. And someone would say, why wouldn't the cows just turn around and go back to their calves if it's that stressful? Okay, so clearly here we have an example of some ancient peoples using some pretty basic deduction skills and their rational understanding of nature to determine that what has actually taken place is, in your opinion, an unnatural event. Uh, very, very accurate, Gareth. You're very good at what you do. <laughs> I won't drop the mic. It's very, very expensive. Uh, but thank you for your time today, Mr. Dawson. Uh, and thank you, Cows, for your treatment. Just while we're here, are you happy with the treatment you're receiving at this college? Yeah, he's good. He's, uh, Mr. Daw Mr. Dawson's going to regret giving me that footage, I think, in the, the long term. Anyway, so it is clear, isn't it, that, that something outside of nature is the only way to explain what happens with this Philistine guilt offering of the cows. And, and when it happens, the Philistine rulers are amazed and they follow the lowing cattle all the way to the border town of Beth Shemesh in Israel. And when the Israelites look up and they see this baffling sight of lowing cattle, a cart with ark, gold tumours, gold rats, a bunch of Philistine elders walking at a distance, probably covered in tumours themselves, will the Israelites rejoice because they know that God is back in town. His presence is obvious because the ark is there, but also because this is such an unnatural sight. Surely this is the work of God. And so the Israelites, they take apart the wooden cart, they build a fire with it, and they sacrifice the cattle on it as a burnt offering to God. It is a, a sign of their gratefulness that the ark of God has returned. All will be well now, they assume, because God is present with his people except there are still two verses left in 1 Samuel 6, which I'll read to you now. But God struck down some of the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, putting 70 of them to death because they looked into the ark of the Lord. The people mourned because of the heavy blow the Lord had dealt them. And the people of Beth Shemesh asked, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? Things have got heavy again. What has sort of been a black comedy over the last few weeks with statues falling over, the hot potato of the ark, lowing cattle, golden rats, it's now stopped all of a sudden. Things ain't funny anymore. They're heavy. God is back in town and he strikes down 70 of his own people because they looked into the ark. Now, it's likely that they went rummaging around inside of it, treating it like nothing more than a, a goodie bag or the, the lucky, lucky charm that they thought it was on that day that 30,000 of them had been slaughtered. 
You see, the return of the ark to Israel was not a sign that the presence of God was any less heavy than it had been amongst the Philistines. If God's ark was not to be held up as some kind of trophy for Dagon, well, then it was certainly not to be a trophy for Israel either. God is weightier, more glorious than a mere trinket. God was making his presence known and it terrified Israel and they cry out, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? God has shown up and his presence has shown up his sinful people. They are an unholy people who cannot stand in his presence. As I said earlier, we often think it would be good if God showed up. It would be nice to have him around. But we really consider that it might not be so nice to be around God. When things aren't going our way and we feel like a bit of divine intervention you know, might solve the problem, we'll think that God's to blame for not chipping in in that moment. We look to our problems with God rather than looking to the problems within ourselves. And remember, there were big problems in Israel. Their priesthood had been a bunch of lazy, you know, philandering deviants, and they're now all dead. These are the ones who were meant to stand in the presence of the Lord. Eli and Hophni and Phinehas were supposed to offer sacrifices for sinful Israel so that when God's heavy presence was in Israel, that it would be a blessing for them, not a punishment. But they have failed, and now they're dead and buried. This passage is crying out for a Samuel the unremarkable boy who we haven't seen for a couple of weeks. But he's just around the corner. And next week, we'll see him take his rightful place and stand in the presence of the Lord. But ultimately, this story is crying out for a Jesus. One who could stand in the holy presence of God because he is the holy presence of God. One who was the ultimate priest whose remarkable sacrifice remains an enduring one today. Even in those unremarkable moments, when we wish God would just show up. In Jesus, God has shown up. The Bible says that we should draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. We don't need to be fearful, doubtful, or sluggish about being in the presence of God now because Jesus has established a new and living way to experience God's presence through his resurrection. And the resurrection, like those cows, it's another event that when we test it with our rational deduction, we can see that something outside of nature is the only logical explanation. The reality of Jesus' resurrection is the only way that we can stand in the presence of God now. But it is also the way that we can rest in the presence of God now. And that's where we're going to draw this series to a close next week.